And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Ravello. Boomer Sooner, Richard Carmen. <laughs> Hello, Boomer. Uh, how are you? Rocking the Oklahoma hat tonight. Yeah, I got I just got the first hat I found, so you know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> so I how just got you? one of my Adidas golf hats just dying to get, you know, it is like my my golf league starts on Monday and you, you You'd never know it with uh, the weather we've been having here. It's just wet. I can't. We can't yeah. get outside to do anything right now. It's just same nuts. here. Same here. It was so beautiful this weekend, and then all of a sudden today we had sleet yesterday, and today or yesterday it was freezing too. I mean, uh, it's who knows. Can't figure. We had snow out. between Sunday night and Monday. Yeah, Maryland got a lot of snow as well. So just crazy. Ricky's in the house. You know why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys only There's show up when right? they, they don't, these guys. These inter guys. Some of these inter guys only show up when they win the derby. <laughs> Smart. So, They're smart. <laughs> it's like when uh, Napoli go top of the table, Rafa shows up. So that's like been once. That's like been once in like the last four years, right? But a, uh, so that would explain why we never have so many Tana fans in here. That's probably why. <laughs> um, I've yet to meet a Salernitana fan, too. That probably has something to do with it, but nonetheless. So, uh, how you been? Good. Good. Uh, a lot of culture this weekend. It's funny because, uh, you know, we got teams vying for the top spot in the league, number one position. Yeah. And we had 12 teams scoring only one goal this uh, past weekend. So, yeah, everyone's in a festive mood to be first place, apparently. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, if you are watching us, please uh, check in with us in the chat. Got any questions, drop them in the chat. We'll be happy to answer them. Um, if you're watching us for the first time, please hit that, hit that subscribe button. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Please hit the notification bell so that you can be notified when we are on the air or uh, when we have uh, special videos, when we have um, fan reactions, which we haven't had in a while. We probably need to get back on that Yeah, you know, at some point. I actually just did a fan reaction for Football Worldwide, our friend Anthony down there in yeah. uh, the great down under Australia. So uh, given my take on what happened between Milan and Genoa, yeah. uh, which uh, I will share with everybody here shortly. Um, and uh, yeah, so please, uh, please. Please get to that. And Ricky wants to know: Is Napoli out of the race? It's going to be the first. It's going to be what we lead off with. Um, we've got a packed show for you, seventy-five percent capacity, as we do every week. Um, <laughs> we uh, will talk about that Napoli Roma game, Derby della Sud. We will talk about Milan and Inter's wins on Friday, as well as the Derby victory for Inter that sees them through to the Coppa Italia final. Um, yeah. So we will have a dedicated uh, segment on all things. Uh, with the Milan clubs. Uh, we will talk about the rest of match week 33 uh, and uh, fit in the uh, preview of Juventus and Fiorentina for Wednesday, second leg of the Coppa Italia semifinal there to determine who will play Inter. I think it's going to be Juve because the Italian uh, dignitaries are going to go out of their way to have a Derby d'Italia Coppa Italia final. You know it. You just know it. So let's just let's just not even I, I say don't even waste any time with it tomorrow. If I'm Italiano, I just say screw it. Go ahead and go to the final. I'm gonna fight and get this Europa League spot. Um and then we finish with the world's most popular hashtag game. 
who won Calcio Twitter. So, Richard, lead us off. Let's talk about Napoli. Uh, Dropped points again, again, and this time in the Derby della Sud against Roma. Yeah, big game, Derby della Sud, Derby della Sole, whatever you want to call it. Uh, You call it both, obviously. Um, Napoli hosting Roma in this one. This game would be at the Diego Armando Maradona, Napoli. Big game. Obviously, Roma trying to making their push for the Champions League. Uh, Napoli trying to stay in the race for the Scudetto. A lot on the line for both teams in this one. Uh, looking at the lineups first for the home team, Alex Moret in goal with uh, Zanoli, Ramani, Koulibaly, and Rui in defense. You got Inguisa, Labotka, Ruiz, Lozano, and Insigne, all led by Victor Osimhen. Um, you okay with the lineup? Pretty straight, pretty straight up lineup for Napoli in this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think the the midfield. Um, probably the best possible midfield that Napoli could play sans uh, Zielinski, yep. Um, yep. who I think has been having a very good season. Uh, he came on as a substitute later on in this game, kind of a forced thing. It looked like Lobotka got hurt. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, I think that, you know, Spalletti sets them up thinking, hey, I'm good with what I've got going forward. If I've got Insigne and Lozano causing some problems, Rui can come forward on the left-hand side. And I think that, you know, knowing Mourinho, knowing that what he's got at his disposal from a counterattacking standpoint, um, I thought it was smart to go with Zambo, Lobotka, Fabian in midfield, yeah. three guys that can <clears throat> quickly, you know, give you some balance and maybe diffuse any kind of counterattacking that Roma wanted to do, you know, in particular in the first half. So I thought that I thought that was an impressive uh, setup. Uh, you know, on, on Spalletti's part. Yeah, I mean, the front three, no argument right now. Um, you know, whether you start Lozano or whether you start Elmas or Politan or anybody like that, I think you're getting the same contribution. You know, Anopoly fans certainly will be welcome to correct me on that, but I can't really separate those three guys on this on this season so far. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head with, the, with that midfield adjustment by um... – Spalletti with Anguisa, Lobotka, and Fabian Ruiz there, you know, trying to, you know, obviously Roma's one of their strengths is their midfield. They got a lot of midfield talent. They like to move the ball around very well in there, especially McIntyre and, and Pellegrini in there. So having those three in there kind of to kind of clog up that middle and, uh, and hopefully diffuse any kind of counterattack that you know Mourinho is going to try to play. Uh, I thought it was really well set up there by, by Spalletti. Looking over Mourinho's side, Rui Patricio on goal, as always. Mancini, Smalling, and Ibanez, and Karsdrop in the back with uh, Oliveira, Cristante, the double pivot. Zalewski uh, on the left-hand side, Pellegrini and Daniolo, all led by Tammy Abraham. Really, it was a, it was a 3-4-1-2, I guess it is, uh, with Abraham and Zaniolo leading the way. Um, I'm, liking the, I'm liking this formation. It's obviously working for Roma. Roma's on a long, unbeaten streak. Uh, anybody that you would have turned into lineup as opposed to who was, start, was started by um, Mourinho? Not really. Um, I would have tried to find a, I can't argue with this lineup, but I might've, if I'm nitpicking, I would have tried to find a place for Mkhitaryan, but I think the idea was have him be involved as a substitute. You know, as we've talked about managers doing this this season where, you know, players like that, that you think should play from the start because of the characteristics that they have and the quality that they offer should start, you know, but you've seen managers with five substitutions as at their disposal, you know, use them in the last 30 to 35 minutes to have them fresh and running at tired legs instead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pioli thought it was the way to go again uh, today in the Copa 
<clears throat> with Brian Diaz and with uh, Junior Messias. Um, but, uh, you know, in that sense, it didn't work out like it did in the Derby, uh, in the, uh, in, you know, in the return leg, in the return match in the, uh, in the, uh, season. Right. Um, so I could understand Mkhitaryan maybe starting from the bench. You can't start everybody. Um, and with Oliveira and Pellegrini together in that midfield, you've got the right blend of, of technique and, and being able to keep things composed for moments when Roma have to keep the ball. Um, you know, to be able to uh, to be able to get it and, and and hit the pinpoint passes, hit Zaniolo. I like that Zaniolo's higher, um, especially in positions where it can put a player like Mario Rui under pressure. I don't think Mario Rui is one of the better defensive fullbacks in this league. Um, you know, certainly, and we've said this a ton about him, but uh, you know, we said it last week. But you know, when we're talking about them against Fiorentina, offers a ton going forward. Yeah. Um, can be a little bit of a liability, you know, when when asked to defend for large periods of time. So I, I like the idea of Zaniolo there. Put some pressure, makes Napoli think a little bit about um, Rui, you know, getting too far forward. But I think it also neutralizes Koulibaly because he can't, you know put his attention on Abraham now, you know, now he's yeah. got to, he's got to roam around a little bit more. And, you know, some of the man marking of Abraham is, is kind of that, that responsibility is over to Rachmani. So, um, so interesting, interesting way that Marino approached it. Yeah. And I actually like the way that he set up the lineup too, because he has, he has some speedsters at his disposal. Obviously they're going to play in the counterattack, hope to tire Napoli out with this kind of counterattack style and bring on even more speedsters on it. In the second half, you know, you have guys like uh, Afina Gian, Mkhitaryan, obviously El Sharawi, um, yep. you know, Spinazzola if he wanted to, obviously he has the other guys under that he could bring in there. Eldor is another guy you can mention. So, you know, he has some speedsters that he could always bring on. So you know, I guess the hope is, you know, Mourinho does his normal style, play on the counterattack. Hopefully Napoli starts getting tired at the end of the game. You bring in some speedsters and really throw things in your, in your advantage. Uh, and so we saw a lot of that in this game. Uh, so, this, you know, this game started up, this game was very, very entertaining. Uh, started out very quickly. Uh, and in fact, in the 11th minute or so, Lozano goes down in the box. Ibanez takes him down. Uh, many people were saying, oh, it was a dive by Lozano. But upon replay, and then they went to VAR with this, clearly a foul. Ibanez yeah. gets the ankle of Lozano. I mean, it's clear-cut call right there. I'm completely fine with that call there. Uh, and... and were you, how are you? Are you, 50, you in total agreement with that? 50, 50, no argument for me. No, that was a good. That was a good reversal. Good use of VAR there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so penalty called. Uh, of course, Lorenzo Senior is going to step up. He's been making them as of late. Uh, he buried this one. Rui Patricio guessed right, but still missed it. Uh, really well struck there by by the captain. Uh, so one nothing. Napoli takes a lead up there early. Um, things started to get chippier and chippier as the game went on. A lot. This game went. Napoli had a lot of a fair bit of opportunities in this game. Uh, Roma had some decent opportunities as well. It, it was exactly what you expected, right? Possession by Roma, creating creating their opportunities as they always are, and then and Roma kind of living off the of the counter attack in this one. Um, Cristante would pick up a yellow card in the 17th minute or so. Uh, cool, Bali would get a yellow before the half was even done. Um, overall, first half one nothing. I mean, obviously the the noteworthy thing is Cristante. Uh, he would come off, make a turn and come on. Um, possible injury there. Uh, but overall assessment of the first half, obviously the early goal for Napoli is good for them. And especially when, you know, they want to control things, ha have the game go their way, uh, makes Roma have to come out of their shell a little bit, you know, with the early goal. Uh, thoughts overall in the first half by both teams, how, how, how you thought it third? Um, you know, I, I, I edged edge to Napoli and I think the score was appropriate. Um, you know, just kind of looking at the at the statistics from it too in the first half. Um, I mean, not a lot of chances. Uh, you know, I think they 
I think they both were effective in canceling each other out. And then, you know, Napoli created Miss a little shot bit. Big time. Miss shot yeah. a lot. Napoli created a little bit more. They had a little bit more of the ball. I think that that's what the script was going to be um, when you uh, when you look at it. So, um, I uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that it was, you know, Napoli played the half that they wanted to play, got the goal, um, you know, got the advantage. I think that, you know, Mourinho goes in there with the idea that let's let's control the damage and then see if we can work our some more skilled players into the game and take our chances and win the game. Um, I do want to make up, you know, one, I do want to come back to the lineups and the team news just real, real quickly. I just want to say how awesome is it to see Leonardo Spinazzola's name, uh, even on the substitutes bench. Um, Good to see that he is, that that is a positive sign, you know, for, for Roma, uh, for Italy too. And just a, was you know a dynamic player before that awful injury in the Euros against Belgium. So good to see him back too. Yeah, uh, arguably one of the best players in that tournament for the Azzurri. Big reason why they went so far in the, in the European Championships. Um, but yeah, so we had the substitution at halftime. Obviously, Cristante comes off, Mkhitaryan comes on. Hope to add a little more spice to their offense there. Um, it wasn't until about the hour mark things really started to get spicy. So Zaniolo, a, a great play over the top. I think Mkhitaryan may have made the pass, actually. Uh, goes over the top. Um he goes on one-on-one against Moret. Zaniolo goes down on the box. They're claiming for a penalty. Um, upon further review, they said, nope, Moret got the ball first. No penalty. Yeah. The backup goalkeeper the, or the third keeper, whatever hell he is, he gets a red card for yelling at the referee from the sidelines. Um, got really feisty there. Thoughts on the call? Are you good with the with the non-call? What, what were your thoughts on that play there? I, I'm good with it, and I think that you just was the fallout was just aggravation from Roma players because yeah. I thought as the second half was unfolding, I thought they were starting as a team. You know, in terms of the performance, I thought they were starting to get more and more of a grip on this game. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, okay, so you're not getting the clear cut opportunities. You're not getting yourself the goal that you probably deserve. So find a way to push the referee into a decision that mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't get. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, Daniel Fusato. Fusato, yes. Yep. Uh, who you know, I would not even know who the hell that guy was until mm-hmm. he got until he got sent off. So. Um, probably going to be really good in the future. We'll see. Um, but you know, uh, no problem. And just like I said, fallout was just aggravation from the Roma bench. We talked about how the penalty earlier in the game where, um, Ibanez fouled Lozano. Well, a similar situation happened also, you know, later in the second half where same thing happened again. Lozano goes down. Ibanez is the culprit. Um, this time it looked like a dive. I think it was a dive in this one. Yeah, tempers got flared. There are a couple of yellow cars going there. You could have gotten even more yellow cars. Sergio Alvaro was involved. Insigne was involved. Several guys involved in both teams. Uh, started looking like a derby at that point. It was getting really feisty at that point. Um, guys really going at each other. Uh, good to see in a derby. You want to see guys going after each other, right? Uh, yes. But, um, I think it was a good non-call on that, too. I thought it was a, certainly a more of a dive. It looked like he was going for the foul or, or going for try to go down the box as opposed to actually being fouled like in the first part of the game. Um, mm-hmm. You good with that call? What's that? Good with the non-penalty call? Yeah, no, good with the non-penalty call. Yeah. 
Sorry, I was actually looking at the substitution patterns as you were talking about. That. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, a lot of substitutions. I mean, you know, just look at some of the substitutions that came on. You had Vera Ver- came on, Pere- Carlos Perez, uh, Finnegan came on late. Obviously, Mkhitaryan came on at halftime, and El Sharawi came on late. Big impacts, all those, I think, uh, in the game, the second half. You see Roma starting to push for that that equalizer, had to start creating more opportunities. Tammy Abraham, had they not tied this game, I think it would have been having nightmares because of the miss he had wide open front of goal and just missed yeah. times the header. Uh, and easy save for Moret. Um, sure. You know, Napoli still creating some chances, but you know, both going both ways. But you know, Roma pushing finally, finally late in the game. Um, go one of the goal of the week candidates here. A wonderful team goal by Roma. I mean, I think seven, eight players touched this ball before it went at the back of the net. Um, and it, the, some beautiful passing going on, feints and this and that. El Shadawi ends up getting the ball at the in the back in the what ninety fifth, ninety second minute or something. Like that. It was late, late in the game. Um, ties it late. Gut punch for Napoli. I mean, not that they were playing like stupendous in this game, but in their hopes of winning the Scudetto there, they dropped two big points to Roma. Big points for Roma, too, to not lose in this one. Um, but 1-1, one, one, uh, Roma get a late goal. First, how beautiful was that goal, Frank? I mean, you know I love team goals. I know you love team goals, too. That was pretty yeah. good by Roma there. It was interesting. Bonetti got so excited about the extra pass by by Abraham. Um I, I think this is just brilliant reading of the game by Lorenzo Pellegrini. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Khalidou Koulibaly because I think what I say about him will make this a little bit more clear. Okay, so we all have we all hold Koulibaly in extremely high regard. We think he's probably one of the three best defenders in the world um, right now. Uh, where you, you, you know, Virgil van Dyke. Okay, fine. As much as I like to jab Liverpool fans, you know, just, I agree. Just stop comparing him to Maldini and Nesta. He's not Maldini and Nesta. Um, and I can't remember the other defender that I would probably put in that conversation. Um, uh, but nonetheless, uh, Koulibaly is a center back, but he plays the position like a sweeper. You know, if you go the old traditional sweeper formations (laughs) and there's five roles to a sweeper. Okay. You organize the defense, you provide support, uh, you pick up the free man, you, you win the free ball, and then you start the, you distribute and start the attack when you win it. Those are the really, when, when you, when you play sweeper, those are your main five functions. So, and, and Koulibaly does all five of those. Okay. But because he does all five of those and because he plays center back like a sweeper, it can get him in trouble at times. So what happens? Pellegrini makes a darting run. Koulibaly picks up the, you know, pick up the free man. All right. And Pellegrini knows that Koulibaly's coming. So the run takes Koulibaly out of position. Okay. Out of his responsibility to support Romani, who's dealing with Abraham. Yep. All right. And then knows that um, Koulibaly is coming. So he has the presence of mind. Okay, I've got one touch here. All right, and I better deliver it. Does so. Koulibaly is now out of the play. The best Napoli defender is out of the play. He's away from the ball. And then they move it, and then they get it over to the open player and El Shirawi and scores the goal. I, If Pellegrini takes an extra touch to prepare the ball, that goal doesn't happen. Okay, yeah. but the fact that he saw that he made that run, it draws out Koulibaly. 
and then he plays it over and across, you know, taking advantage of Koulibaly's tendencies to be over aggressive and play that position like a sweeper led to that goal. And the reading of the game by Pellegrini was absolutely brilliant. It led to what would be the tying goal for Roma. Yeah, and it's rare that Koulibaly makes these kind of mistakes, big mistakes in a game like that, uh, like he did in this play. Like you you mentioned how good he is and, and playing this kind of sweeper role. You know, in terms of talent, in terms of complete player, he might be the most complete player in the league just because how good, how well he plays defensively and then can do things with the ball at his feet, right? And he can yeah. hit the ball. He's a really great player overall. Uh, but his aggressiveness on this play, his trying to be, do maybe do too much, cost him to be out of position, like you mentioned. And then Pellegrini, being the smart captain as he is, drew him away and, and set up the whole play there. And, you know, good for Roma, get that tying goal. It was coming uh, for a while. And, uh, yeah, uh, I know Mourinho and the team are happy. They were celebrating on the bus uh, back home. I know that. Uh, but, you know, two big drop points for Napoli in this one. I thought Napoli played decent. They just missed plenty of opportunities. Also, I mean, it was yeah. in and around, but high shots, wide shots, not clinical enough as a team that you want who a team with aspirations to win a scudetto you got to put those chances away you know the other teams in the race are going to be trying to put their chances away and you need to do this and especially a team as good as roma are if you don't capitalize their counterattack is deadly and they're going to get you eventually which they did in this game and so not going to be kicking themselves that you know they 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 could have done everything they wanted but didn't score the goals and that's what ultimately cost them the game i um, i, I I'll, I'll I'll disagree with you. I think okay. the team that probably is going to be kicking themselves here is Roma. Well, that, um, yeah. I think if you give this game, I think if you let this game go for five more minutes, Roma win the game. I agree. I agree. Um, I agree. And, and and then going back to that goal, I think another reason why Koulibaly is kind of forced to deal with Pellegrini there because Rui is way out of position. You know, so there's no connection with that back four so in a sense because of some of the irresponsibility of other players around him Koulibaly practically has to play that way and maybe it's the other players around him that know that Koulibaly is going to do this that they can get away with it too so it's it's just it's a strange thing there with Napoli I'd love to ask the Napoli guys this and see what they say uh what their feelings is it they they rely on Koulibaly to just cover everything that they can get away with being disconnected or is it you know um or is it? Do you want to see them play more defensive and connected in those certain situations? So, me personally, I want my left back in that position where Pellegrini ran. So I don't care who my center back. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, a lot of people ball watching on that play on that goal too. Um, you yes. Moretz out of position. Everyone's pretty much out of position on that goal there. El Shadawi wide, wide open, and had all the time in the world to try to place it where exactly we wanted, and he put it past Moretz. So, yeah, a good result for for Roma. Um, they're 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 pushed. For the Champions League spot remains. I mean, obviously they got to get past Juve still, but uh, you know they're only what four or five points away now. It's not not terrible. I mean, obviously they need to get some wins here at the end, but a big game like this, you know. And now Napoli uh, dropped big points, obviously after the results, you know, from Milan and Inter this weekend. Um, they're now what four points behind Milan and two behind Inter. Is it you know going back to what uh, Ricky said? Is is Napoli out of the race? I pose a question to you. Yes, because I see dropped points coming against Sassuolo and then at Torino, mm. Um, mm. which is going to take them further back. And we talked about this last week. We called this. We said Napoli is going to be the first to fall yeah. out of this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, they they probably should. Okay, they, they were the better team in the first half, but, you know, we can poke holes at that performance. It wasn't like they were dominant. 
No. And in the second half, Roma made the adjustments. I think Mourinho made some excellent adjustments. Some of Spalletti's adjustments were forced because of injury. He had to take Lobotka right. out, and then you bring on Zielinski, characteristically two completely different guys. Yeah. Um, but you lose some of that ability to protect the back four. You know, when you take Lobotka out of the game and you have to sub him with Zielinski because that's just about all you have in midfield. Um, so, um, where the hell was I going with this? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, you know, I think that that Mourinho got it right because he was able to. Uh, you know, a couple injuries forced his hand. There's a couple of injuries that forced Spalletti's hand. But in mm-hmm. terms of the substitutions and the adjustments, Mourinho got it right. And like we say, give them a few more minutes. Roma probably wins this game. Um, you know, and – you know, but the golden opportunity that they miss out on is that they now are five back of Juve for fourth spot instead of three. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but we called it last week. We thought Napoli would be the first team to start falling out of this race. Uh, and with this draw, they did. I think that they will beat Empoli uh, on Sunday. I think Lisi appropriately said Empoli is on the beach already. Um, really have nothing left to play for. They're probably yeah. like, yeah, we're good. We've, we, you know, so I expect Napoli to thrash them and, you know, maybe give uh, Napoli supporters a pulse. Uh, but I see dropped points at home to Sassuolo and I see dropped points at Torino in Napoli's future, which will take them out of the race. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, four points back of Milan at the moment. Um, not that Milan are flawless at this point at any stretch, but I think, of the three teams, Inter have the least to lose, really. I think they're playing the most carefree. And because of that, the best football uh, potentially going down the stretch here. And, you know, a lot of pressure's on Milan to hold the top spot. A lot of pressure on Napoli to try to catch up to them and be perfect. And you can easily drop points that way. Obviously, mm-hmm. Napoli's already dropped points. You know, Milan's dropped points already, you know, a couple games ago. And so we'll see. We'll talk about the Sunday coming up after this derby that we just, we're going to get to in a minute. But, um yeah, Inter are going to put pressure big time now. And so I think, like you said, Napoli is going to be the first one out. And now the real question is what happens to Milan now? What is it, How is their mentality now after after the game today? So, uh, yeah, a lot to play for still. And, um, you know, we'll see if Juve can hold on to that Champions League spot. Um, but, you know, a lot of credit's got to go to this game and for Roma to Mourinho, right? What is it, 12 yeah. games unbeaten now for them? I and mean, they're really – Really believe in what he what he's trying to bring to the team and what he's trying to uh, express and how he wants the team to play and they're buying into it. They're they're, yeah. they're playing this counterattacking type style. They're they take their chances when they have it. I mean, Mourinho's setting them up defensively really really well. This is not the Roma team we've seen in the past, right? Where they yeah. gaping holes in the back, scoring goals, you know, two three goals a game against. Mourinho's changed his team. It's taken a while. We we said it was gonna take all season, and it has. But they're they're humming yeah. now. They're uh, one of the one of the best teams in terms of you know, unbeaten streak, I should say, uh, this year. So, you know, Mourinho's really got them playing the way he wants, just about. The points aren't there to show for it, but no. against the Seven Sisters, the performances have been much better. Yeah. You know, and and for me, um, Roma, you won't have Roma to kick around anymore. Um, no. You're going to have to find somebody. No. I mean, right now, that's it. You're out, your new whipping boy out of these, out of these seven is Atalanta. Um, you know, at the rate things are going, we'll talk about them here in a little while. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the flip side, you got that. So, you know, on the one end, Napoli falling out of the title race. Um, I, I kind of side with some Napoli guys who are on Twitter saying there goes the Scudetto. Um, 
but also Roma, this was a huge chance for them to to seize it. And boy, what a great three points this would have been for them, you know, in their attempt to make a late charge and and overtake Juve for fourth. Yeah. And I'm cheering for it to happen because I picked Roma to finish fourth over Juve. So um, I'm probably going to come up a little bit short on that call, but yeah. nonetheless. Uh, Dominic uh, asking, of the four, Milan, Inter, Napoli, Juve, who has returning players that can improve, change the course for the remaining games? Um, well, uh, I have to say Inter's probably the best equipped out of all out of the out of the four. Yeah. Um obviously Golson's back now and he's scored a goal today. That that helps. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um I think that they what they did such a good job of because we talked about it and he said, you know, at some point a dip is coming and they're gonna have some adversity because they just seem like they skated through yeah. you know the first half plus of the season. And then they had that adversity and it was such short lived. It's like they, they managed it and got through it. And there's sometimes you, you, you do that and you get right back on track or there's sometimes where that just lives with you and you can't get it back. And, you know, I think that Inzaghi has just managed this team smartly. They're playing efficient football. They're not, I mean, in, you know, we can segue now into the Milan teams, um, and we can talk. We can talk about the Copa in the process here, Richard. Um, they're not running riot. I had to disagree respectfully with somebody on Twitter who said Inter are running riot today. I said it no, wasn't Liverpool United. That was yeah. a riot. Forty-four percent possession in eight shots isn't running riot. Okay, forty-four percent possession in eight shots is you're really damn efficient, clinical, very sc- clinical. And, and clinical, and scored three goals. That's not running riot. Running riot to me is you just you, you bossed every aspect of the game. You possessed it 75% of the time. When you lost it, you pressed them and won it back. You shot it 25 times. You had 12 shots on target. You won. You put up four or five goals. Um, to me, that's running riot. This this is an efficient inter. Yeah. And it fits. And when you look at Insagi's Lazio teams, if he's he's in he's in his comfort zone. This is the yeah. stream he wants to swim in. This is this is how Lazio were so good under him. They were efficient. They didn't blow anybody away with the way they played. Um, and that's what happened here in the Copa um, against Milan. Uh, they absorbed what Milan threw at them. And uh, they came They came down the other way. They, they scored on what's been an impenetrable defense, um, you know, when you, when you take a look at it. And certain people that got paid – that get paid to talk about this, uh, we're saying that Tomori and, and Kalulu and, and, and mine and those that, that that great defense didn't show up. I'm going to disagree with that. I th- I think they were there. I thought they played. I thought Milan played all right. I thought defensively they played all right. I said sometimes you got to look at the goals that get scored and you just got to say, hey, well done. So I'm going to so, say a couple players ran right for me, like Mar- Lartaro Martinez, Lautaro Martinez. Well, Lautaro was excellent. Lautaro was the best really player good. on the pitch. So was I thought of the three, you know, the back three of Milan, if you include Magnon and Tamori and Kalulu, Tamori probably had the most off game, and he really gave Martinez way too much space on both the goals. He uh, well, looked he looked labored. He did. He in did. the Especially second half. Goal. He looked and, and, like he was struggling when he was running. 
Yeah, and I, you know, the second goal that the second goal that Martinez scored. I mean, that Martinez played that brilliantly. The offside trap. Tomori was slow on the offside push, but Martinez took a gamble and he paid off immensely. Finished it off perfectly. Uh, so you really can't blame the defense on there. I mean, it could have been a faster trap, but that first goal, too much space. You given the guy like him, who's a streaky player. We know he, when he's hot, he's hot, and when he's off, he's off. He scored recently in, in Europe. He's been scoring as of late. He's on a hot streak. Now, there's two goals here in a big game here. So, um, beautiful finish by him and, and for his first goal. So, I mean, Tamori was off. Kulu wasn't his greatest game, but he wasn't bad. And Magnon made some big saves. Um, and that third goal was just well done by by Inter. Uh, and Golson's putting it away. Maybe Kulu put it away, but either way, um, well done. I mean, Inter deserves this game. They were fishing. Almost dis- they're clinical. It's, it's good that Gozen scored, but as a Milan fan, I almost dismissed the third goal as a you're pressing and you're trying to get something and you're trying to find a way back in the game and you're committing so much, you're playing so high and then they just catch you. And, you know, and that's the consequence of playing that way, trying to get back in it. So honestly, the um, only player for Inter probably didn't play well. I mean, maybe Handanovic, I guess, but uh, Chalanolo. But other than that, I mean, they all pretty much played very well. I mean, Darmian looked like you were, they were missing Den- Denzel. Uh, Denzel. Yeah, don't freeze. Uh, because uh, he was playing really that cross to to Lautaro for the first goal was was really well done. So yeah, I mean Inter, like you said, efficient. They were clinical. They they took their chances very well, and Milan did not. That's why they didn't have any goals. You know, and, you know Dominic asked the question, who are who are people that are coming back? That you know Inter probably have some guys that'll help them going forward. Milan has like Kiar, but their defense is pretty solid. Wouldn't know it from this game, but right, you know, Zlatan. You know who else is then going to come on that's going to help them? No one. Napoli's pretty much got all their guys. Juve is going to have some midfielders coming in that might help them, but um, it's pretty much a stalemate. But I mean, in terms of this game, I think uh, Inter just were the better team. It doesn't mean that they are the best team in the league, which they probably are, but you know, it's one result. And then this game in particular, they were the better team. I don't, you know, people want to say there were some penalties that could have been called, this and that. I was fine with all the calls in the game, honestly. I do want to talk about the goal that Milan scored. Uh, that got taken away because mm. um, I think we'll probably have some disagreement there. I know majority of Milan Twitter say that should have been a no goal or should have been a goal. Excuse me. should have been a goal. Um, I agree with that. It is a hundred percent a stupid penalty or stupid uh, foul in the book. I agree about the hundred percent. It's stupid. It's not, it's not, it doesn't affect the play, but by letter of the law, it's technically correct call. I've seen it. I've seen it called many times. I hate the call. It needs to be thrown out of the book, but it was correct in my opinion. I know you're. I know you're going to disagree, right? Uh, initially, yes. Um, well, no. Um, at the time that it happened, and then the first, you know, like 15 minutes or so afterward, yes, I would have disagreed with you. But I have since mm. walked that back, um, and now I, you know, I agree because I one of the you know I wanted to do is like right, I better just kind of go through the laws of the game and read it and, and take emotions read, out of it, <laughs> read the offside law, just kind of detach. Okay, fine. As a fan, I'm pissed off, but let me try to, you know, get, a, get, get, a, get, you know, objective here. And um, there is a bullet point. They, they list the various offside offenses and it's right there preventing an opponent from playing or being able to play the ball by clearly obstructing the opponent's line of vision. Yep. Okay. And that was the interpretation that VAR used. Um, was Kalulu trying to recover and get back on side? Yes. You can sit there and say, what else is Kalulu supposed to do? Yep. You could make the argument that if he ran, the problem is 
if he, okay, so he runs centrally. Okay, so he's offside because he's in a he's obstructing the line of vision of in this case Handanovic, and that law would apply if Handanovic wasn't back there. Say he was even with everybody else, and that it was just another defender back there. Right. Then, you know that that same rule would apply right. in the strictest definition. So and now that I've cooled off, and I understand this rule better. Okay, now. And then Mike Michael said, well, he should have zigged instead of zag. Well, he's zag. If he's zigged, he's zigging into the path of the shot. And he's going to be no, in an offside position on that sense. So I don't know, regardless of where Kalulu could have ran there, I think that was going to get, you know, it would have gotten called back. If you um, want to get technical, I think it was a slightly lazy play. And obviously he doesn't know the goal is going to happen. So like once that play gets cleared out, he needs to, he needs to clear back into onside position, which he does and takes his time. Him and Giroud, both of them, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Ben Astero does really well to kick it back in. He's already in offside position anyway, so he screws yeah. himself at that point. So yeah, I, hate the, a, I hate the rule, but it's correct, but unfortunately. At, at the same time, you've got to avoid the mental break there. Yep. So, you know, and, and – uh you know, if, if we really, really want to get critical. So, um, Handanovic was frozen regardless. Kalulu was just an excuse. There is a still where it shows that, that shows that Handanovic sees the shot. You know, yeah. they showed that several minutes later, you know, so you can, you know, and I get it, Dominic and I know, and, and, and that sort of thing. But, and initially I was angry that the goal was disallowed because mainly because in terms of the spectacle of the game, yeah. It would have made, That's it would have made 2-1 at that point, and you have a completely different game, you know, than what we're talking about. So so we off um, the uh, Messias and Salamakers kick? Or definitely Salamakers, we were already off that, but Messias, we, all, we don't um, get to? <laughs> I said it on, on Twitter. I said, you know, great story, but the novelty has long worn off. Um, it really has. Uh, you know, and I think that if there's a future here for Milan, it's it's got to, you know, and if they're trying to reach the certain heights, they – I, I think it's time to be done taking their chances on players like Messias and thinking that they're, it's the wrong, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the wrong beach to pan for gold, let's mm. say. Mm. All right. Um, for a lack of a better comparison. Um, so that's really what, um, that, that, that's really the long and the short of it. I think it's, it's been fun. It was a heck of a story to see him score in the champions league. Um, you know, no question about it, but, um, it's time, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to get serious. And if Milan are trying to get a long-term project in place, um, okay. Messias might've been a holdover and might've been a rental, but now it's time to go and find the guy that's going to play on that right-hand side. Salamakers is a wing back. Okay. And where you see, and we've said it week after week after week after week, can he defend and cover and support and run? He does all of the energy things. He does the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But his shortcomings as an attacking player and as a finisher in a position where you need to provide some creativity, you need to provide some chance creation for your teammates, and you need to be able to finish, he lacks big time in all of those areas. And I think that it's time that Milan look to someone more dynamic for that position. So this obviously result, it's, it's a Coppa Italia semifinal and obviously Inter are going to go to the finals now, more than likely against Inter, but could be, or excuse me, Juve or, or Fiorentina. We'll see. But what I want to ask is 
what does it do with the mental mentality of both these clubs, right? Inter got to be feeling like on top of the world now. They beat their rivals who are, who are just ahead of them in, in the league table. That They got to be confident now going to the stretch. The question is, what is Milan thinking now going into Sunday? You Yes, you got to win last this past weekend against Genoa, uh, but you just lost a big game in a derby. It, it's Coppa Italia, but it's, it's a big game against your rivals. You lost pretty handedly, 3 nothing. Where does it happen? Where do where, where do they go from? Do they, do they show up and blow you know the next opponent out of the water, or do they fold? Do they get out of the race in this? I I, I hardly think they fold. Okay, now if I'm in that dressing room, okay, and I'm also 47 years old, so I've got to try to pretend I'm like one of the 20 somethings in that dressing room. <laughs> I need the leaders of the team to tell me that's a completely different competition. We're done with that. We're the league is all we got. We're all in. Um, let's be fully concentrated on that now and fully concentrated to turn in the performances and the results that are going to get us over the finish line as champions. So the, the good professionals in this sport are going to quickly detach from what happened today and turn their attention to, uh, the rest of the league schedule, which they are still in first. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, as good as Inter, as efficient as Inter was today. Let's just say they were efficient. They were, I mean, they were very, very good. And yeah. I thought Milan were decent. I think they passed up a lot of chances that I wish they would have taken some chances at. I think there were some things that were forced. I can't remember who, who it was that forced. It might have been Teo that forced a shot, but Brian was wide open. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nicholas, good to see you. Thanks for joining. Um, and, uh, so I just, you know, I say, you know, detach and enter is going to do the same thing. Said, all mm -hmm. right, that's done. We don't have that until after the league is over with. This is not even, this is not even a priority right now. All of, all that's left is all these games in front of us, these league games in front of us and trying to overtake Milan winning, a, winning a second straight Scudetto. Having Chiara coming back is going to be huge because he's going to be able to be that guy to do that. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, the professionalism is there in the dressing room for Milan. Now, if you're talking about the Milan of three years ago in this situation, oh, they fold. He's done. <laughs> yeah, they fold. But I think there's enough maturity there now to know, okay, <clears throat> okay, that's done. Can't do anything about that anymore. Our focus is these last five games uh, and grabbing all the points we can. We, You know, it sounds cliche, but Milan have five finals. Um, yeah. Inter have six finals before a Copa final. So, um, and, and it's, and it's gotta be a game by game approach. Milan's so. at Lazio, which has been a thorn in their side. Obviously walking Cray is no longer there, but they still have Chiro Immobile and, and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and, and so many other guys. So it's going to be a big game for them. And then on the flip side, right? Inter are riding high at the moment. Oh, look at the way they got Mourinho coming up. Is this a trap game for them? Do, can Roma get one on, on Inter? Inter are flying high. Their, their confidence is full. But it's Mourinho. If anyone's going to be able to stop this train, is it going to be them? Is it going to be him? It's going to be a game of two teams that are going to fight over who wants the ball. And and it's going to be a, a, a fight in the sense of, no, you take it. No, you take it. I mean, because <laughs> they're both comfortable letting the other team have it like 55, 56% of the time and being able to break on them. I, I expect Mourinho 
to see the possession. And I expect Inter to be the team to have it a little bit more. And this is yeah. where there's potential for Inter to drop some points. First of all, letdown game if Inter allows it to happen after winning a, winning a derby. Okay. Yep. Roma just rescued a point in a derby uh, away at Napoli. So they're going to be able to play with a lot of confidence, um, you know, coming into this game. And they're not going to play with a lot of fear. Um, so Inter have really been in control of that rivalry over the last three games, though. Um, they've beaten Roma by a combined, uh, looks like, 8-1, to one, including the Copa. Uh, so um, and in that Copa game, which was the most recent, you know, Inter had more of the possession and made use of the chances, okay? It was also a Roma team that, um, you know, basically had the same guys. I mean, they had... Um, they went with Mkhitaryan, Abraham Zaniola. They didn't play Pellegrini at the time. They didn't, you know, they played Beretu. Uh, so we'll see what Mourinho does if he shuffles that a little bit. But the system's going to be relatively the same. He's not going to, he's not going to deviate from that. Um, yeah. Inter, I mean, they're going to, Inter's going to do the same thing. I, I see Inter getting more of the ball. Can Roma, um, you know, can Roma get them on the break? Um, and in order to do that, they're going to have to find those spaces between the wingbacks and the outside guys in the back three. So I could very well see Mkhitaryan maybe playing from the start and exploiting that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and guys that can play and exploit that, you know, uh, John. And I will have to see if Zaniolo is going to be fit, um, you know. It's going to be it's it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, oh, yeah. And then Milan going to Lazio, um, you know. Milan have been so good against the better teams in this league this year, you know, and on the road and on the road, and really good. every single time Milan fans are down on Pioli and they're down on this team. They, they come in. It, it, the next match always seems to be a game in an environment like this. And what do they do? They find a way to win. They manage their way through it and they find a way to win. And I, I got to think, I think that Milan win, on Sunday at Lazio, I think it's going to be tight. They're going to win two one. I think they're going to score goals. I think this Lazio defense has some issues still, um, and I think you can get at them. They're not as airtight as some of the ones that Milan have seen. And then I think that, oh, that Inter Roma game. I want to say that I want to say that Roma gets something out of it. I really want to as a Milan fan, but I think Inter are going to just. It's going to be a really ugly game. Uh, someone's getting sent off in that Inter Roma game. I can't tell you who, (laughs) but a sending off is coming and I'm going to, I'm going to just, for now, I'm just going to just ever so slightly edge inter there. It's not going to be pretty. They're going to be very disappointing, but they're going to find a way to scratch out a one nil win. Mm. Mm. Where are you at with those games? I agree. I think the way Milan plays against good teams and how they play on the road, I think they will get a it'll eke out a one goal victory, probably like a two one against Lazio. Uh, I'm gonna go, maybe just a homer call on me, but I, I say Mourinho shocks Inter, okay. catches him, catches him, and, and, and I would not be surprised if it happened. I really wouldn't. The way Roma have been playing under Mourinho, Inter can't afford to drop points. They they, mm-hmm. they have the the scudetto in their hands. If they win out, they won. Because they're, they're within two points and they have the game in hand. So it'll be a big game. We'll see what happens here. But, uh, yeah, it would be an interesting, interesting game for sure. Games. The interesting thing here, though, is that I think Inter's schedule have gotten a little tougher than people want to believe. 
Sure. I don't um, think it's as tough as Milan and Napoli, but yeah, it is tough. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, they got to go to Bologna on the 27th and Bologna have been playing much better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this will be the third game in nine days, eight days um, for Inter. And then they've got to, and then they've got to go to Udinese who Udinese have not been easy on anybody. And they've been playing really inspired lately. So yeah. This is a very tough stretch for Inter. It eases up big time at, you know, hosting Empoli. Going to get a Cagliari that are really fighting to get out of the bottom three. And you're going to have a Sampdoria that are going to be trying to fight to avoid the drop two at the rate this is all going. Um, So, you know, so Inter's run-in is not as easy as people think. Now, Milan... They're all top half sides mm-hmm. that that they've got left. At, so, you know, they're going to be motivated, and, and and I think as a Milan fan, you want this. I mean, if we're if Milan are good against the better teams and are getting their points against the better teams, and they just kind of slag off against the, then this is the this is the fixture list you want, right? I it's the fixture list I want if Milan. If Milan are title worthy, they get through this stretch with more points than Inter at the end. They get it done against this this stretch of games, this slate at Lazio, hosting Fiorentina, at Verona, hosting Atalanta, at Sassuolo. Okay. And Sassuolo, who have been a bogey team to them through the years, you know, if it has to come down to the last day, you go and you beat the bogey team or else you don't deserve to be champions. It's the yeah. way I see it. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting if uh, let's play a hypothetical here. Milan wins out, Inter win out, right? And Inter just win the title with by two points. Um, Milan are gonna be kicking themselves because they beat all the teams they had to beat in terms of the good teams. Yeah, they lost points against teams they should have won that they didn't. That's gonna be kicking them at the end of the season. So, but you know, we'll see. It's a lot to play for here. A lot of games left in a short, yeah. short amount of time here. So yeah, anything can happen here. But I argue Inter stretch is tougher than people think, especially these next three games for them. So. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. So you you know. win Scudetto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the field for both teams in their in their matches, Richard was uh, on Friday, just kind of quick walking back to their league league games. Uh, rather comfortable, I thought. Rather comfortable for both teams. I mean, more so Inter. They had 23 shots against Spezia. Milan didn't have as many chances against Genoa, but they also weren't terribly troubled either. Um, over the course of the game, they got that goal that settled the nerves. Leal, goal of the week candidate, great cross from Kalulu. Thank God that Calabria got mud butt um, before the game or had the shits or whatever it was that he got scratched late. It was like stomach problems. I guess he has like he shit his pants. <laughs> Just say it. He shit his pants. That's what happened. <laughs> so. Happened he doesn't want to, and he's too embarrassed to go out there. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's cool. He was back out there today. So himself uh, but but anyway uh Kalulu with the uh so that moved Kalulu over to the right and enabled them to get that wonderful assist uh so uh but uh you know and then Messius with a kind of a cleanup goal there in the end um you know to seal it for Milan Inter just rolled uh, I mean we got three goals in that game that are all goal of the week candidates Brozovic's brilliant goal yeah. Lotaro's yeah. flick uh yeah. Majority's goal was wonderful too yeah, so where, where it got kind of interesting, uh, you know, for Spezia. So, uh, but comfortable wins on Friday for both uh, title contenders, uh, Inter more so than Milan. Agreed. Agreed. 
And how about for the rest of it, Richard? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Cagliari beats Sassuolo. Go by Deolo. Deolo, excuse me, in the 42nd minute. Cagliari get big points against Sassuolo at home. Uh, Sampdoria at home drop big points. Salernitana goes scoring started early by Federico Fazio. You knew you were going to lose at that point when Fazio scores on you. Uh, he scores in the fourth minute. How about that, though? Federico Fazio and Alessandro Diola, like two of the most awful players to watch in this league, go out and do something right for their teams. Right? Right? Yep. Uh, two minutes later, Ederson with a great run on the left-hand side gets the goal. 2-0 Salernitana within the first 10 minutes of the game. What the hell's going on? Caputo pulls him back in the 32nd. Not enough. Sampdoria dropped big points to Salernitana. Udinese, you mentioned earlier, who were playing really well. 4-1 winners against Empoli. Uh, goals by Ishmaili. It was an own goal in the sixth minute. Uh, De Lofeo got a nice goal in the 52nd, uh, 79th Pusetto. And then uh, Samarcic in the 87th minute. Pinamonte got a penalty goal in the 70th minute. But obviously, all Udinese all the time in this one. Fiorentina Venezia is a very, very tight game. Uh, Luca, uh, Luca Torreira got a cleanup goal uh, in the box in the 30th minute. But I mean, this game was pretty tight. You know, Fiorentina would obviously want to have this open, open kind of game, but Venezia, you know, fighting for the lives here made it very difficult for Fiorentina. Another game that was difficult Bologna on the road at Juventus. Uh, Arnautovic scoring a beautiful goal in the 52nd minute, making one nothing given uh, Juventus palpitations. But in the 95th minute, Morata doing some great work with a bicycle kick, overhead kick. Uh, looked like it was going on goal, but Vlahovic kind of scoops it up off the two-inch line, uh, gets a goal there. 1-1, Juve steals some points in that game. Uh, Lazio and Torino talking about a stealing game late. Uh, Pietro Pellegri uh, scores a goal in the 56th minute. First goal in like five years in City out for him. Uh, so one nothing Torino looks like they're going to win this game. And in stoppage time, a beautiful cross comes in the box over everybody. Milinkovic-Savic is over the top. Nobody read this right except for Chiro Immobile. Of course, King scores a goal 1-1 in that game there. Uh, and then to round it out, Atalanta. I mean, talk about teams who hit a hit a, a rough patch and could just stay on that rough patch. They lose to Hellas Verona. Two goals uh, first Ceccarini in, the four, in, the, in stoppage time in the first half. And then Coop Miners off his chest or face or whatever the heck it was um great play by uh hellas to kind of set that up between tameze and uh who the heck was that i forget who it was but um two nothing at that point scalvini got a late goal consolation goal in the 82nd minute but all for not hellas win on the road two to one at atalanta uh crazy results in this weekend yes um the sampdoria salernitana game i mean when you look at it statistically it pretty much tells you salernitana played football for about the first six minutes where they got their two goals. And then they told Sampdoria here, you have the ball now. Yep. Park the bus. <laughs> That's really what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's, uh, that's what went on there. The, 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 the refereeing incident with Juan Lucas Saki um, in the Juventus Bologna game, it was disturbing might be the most polite way to put it. Um, did you see this? I did not. Did you see what led to the two sending offs for Bologna? Well, yeah, I did. So uh, Samuaro got a red card for his foul in the box. I, I didn't see. It was but it was a VAR red. review. Yeah, so, I didn't see it was a red. But yeah, Medell, I, mean, so, I see why, why Medell got a red card because he was furious at the referee. He clattered into Morata. Yeah, he clatters in. So Samuaro clatters into Morata kind of from behind but kind of sideways and yeah. there's players around Mara- there's pl- there's players around it for Bologna that are in support and it's outside the box yeah so you're wondering what the hell they're going to look at what they're going to VAR for 
Because when you watch the fence, I said, well, why are they going to VAR here? I said, there's no way that's a red card. But sure enough, that's what they did. Yeah. And I don't know if they were like double checking. I thought maybe they were double checking to see if it was an infraction that happened in the penalty or and they're going to call a penalty. That's what I thought. And I fully expected them to come out and say, okay, yeah, it was outside the box. Uh, it was a coming together kind of thing. It wasn't really malicious. You know, let's go down with it. But then you see the red card for Samaro and you're like, whoa, how is that a red? How on <laughs> earth is that a red? You know, um, you know, at least he made the point that it was at Udinese against Milan and Udinese were doing that to me. Or it was in Bologna against Milan. They were doing that to Milan all day and not getting booked for it. Not even getting booked for it. So, um, so, and then Medell goes nuclear. Yeah. And, and Saki couldn't wait to give him a yellow card and then he couldn't wait to send him off. Medell's um, going to get some games. He touched the referee after the red card, too. I don't know if you yeah. saw that, but he touched the And did you see him as he came off? He's, like, pointing to his badge. And I couldn't translate, but I'm pretty sure it was, it's because we're Bologna and we're not them. You know? <laughs> it, you know, I, like, I swear to God, that's, probably, that's what he said. I mean, somebody will probably correct me about that, and that's fine. Yeah. But that's what I want to believe. So, right. yeah. you know, um, <laughs> probably – Easily the most atrocious refereeing decision of the season. Um, That red for Samara was definitely not warranted. Medell deserved his, but, I mean, it shouldn't have got to that point, right? Why why did Samara get a red? And it's why I won't put the Vlaovic goal with the overhead kick assist by Marata in the goals of the week because it shouldn't have even happened. Um, But that's that's my goals of the week picks, and I get to pick what I want. So, What are your – Top goals of the week, then. My top goals of the week? Okay. Um, I am going with uh, Samarjic at number five for Udinese. Um, Honorable mentions to Alessandro Diola and Federico Fazio because, you know, you do need to shine a light on these guys when they do something right once in a while. I mean, they're so bad, and they get it wrong, and they're they're regularly in our crap on a cracker teams. So nice to see that they both got on the score sheet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Majority's goal number four, Lautaro, Lautaro in at number three, Leao number two, Brozovic is my goal of the week. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Majority is definitely a uh, honorable mention for me as well. That was a really good goal by him. Um, I want to cover yours. I am going to put in that Vlahovic Morata goal, mostly because what Morata did, the circumstances probably shouldn't have happened. I mean, but... it's nice. I just on principle can't <laughs> yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Brozovic's volley against Spezia comes in at number four for me. Leal's volley against uh, Genoa comes in at number three. Uh, I'm going to go Martinez and Coppa Italia. I'm going to include that. Yes, that goal was a beautiful volley by him. That's number two for me. But number one, I'm going to Roma, man. Team goal, seven, eight touches on that goal. End up leading to Osadawa again, the game time goal and stoppage time. I love team goals, and that was a beautiful team goal by Roma. So that's number one for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's do Juve Fiorentina and then there's something we do need to, uh, track back to, but, uh, yeah, Juve yeah. Fiorentina at the J, uh, Juventus, uh, have a one, one nil lead away goals do count here in this competition and these over these two legs. So it's a precious away goal. It was an own goal, uh, for Fiorentina. Um, I think this game, I think you see Fiorentina with a ton of the ball here. Um, you know, I, I, then I think that Juventus are going to be very comfortable to allow that to happen. 
Um, now, Juve don't counterattack. So, I mean, they don't counterattack as well as, say, Lazio or Roma or, or, or Inter. Um, Nicholas wants Fiorentina 2-1. I don't blame you, Nicholas. Um, I'd mm. love to see Fiorentina win. I think that Fiorentina has been an amazing story this year. We thought Fiorentina would be this good. Um, I picked them to finish sixth. They're sixth right now. Um, I, I, I'm going to keep bragging about that. Mm. <laughs> Should as the team that breaks up the seven sisters. I was, you know, everybody was like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, I'm doing it. We're we're putting them in there because I think they're going to get it done. All right. Um, but so. But I think that Juventus are going to shithouse this. I think it's going to be 1-1 tomorrow, and I think that that's going to get Juve the 2-1 win on aggregate and put him to the final against Inter. I think I think Fiorentina are going to score the only goal in regulation, take it to extra time, and I think Juve will probably get a couple goals in extra time. It just Juve has the guys that can do that in, in extra time. I just think sure. Fiorentina are going to get all out to try to equalize this thing, get it to extra time, and then they're not going to have any gas left. Um, so I think UV wins ultimately, but I think mm. Fiorentina are going to get it to extra time. Um, but I think UV have too much firepower to be stopped, in, in, at least in this game, at least. So should be tight. Okay. It should be a tight game. The first game was very tight. Uh, the first two first two legs of the Coppa semifinals are pretty tight overall. And obviously we saw the second game for the derby today was fairly wide open, very entertaining. I expect I don't expect the same tomorrow. <laughs> I, I really don't. Sure. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think shit house is the right term, I think, for Juventus in this one. Sure. So um, that's our thoughts on the second semifinal here in the uh, Coppa Italia between Juventus and Fiorentina. Uh, one thing that we wanted to talk about uh, regarding the Milan clubs that we're going to uh, track back to uh, is uh, Milan are in the news over ownership. Um, yeah. and uh, a potential takeover uh, by the uh, Bahrain-based InvestCorp yeah. uh, in the amount of $1.1 billion uh, is in the works. They're in exclusive talks, and if they're in exclusive talks, and if Elliot is confirming that they're in exclusive talks, that this is pretty close to being a reality, that there will be new owners at Milan. And let's be honest – if you have followed Milan closely and you follow them off the pitch and you follow all of the news and all of that other stuff, this was inevitable. Elliot was never really in it for the extended long term. They weren't going to have this 30-year Berlusconi period. They were in this to clean it up. They were basically in it to, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just fixing the house, right? Make some money. Fix the house and yep. make some money. Yep. They're, they're taking the house. They're buying it. They're remodeling it and then they're selling it. They're flippers. Um, they're flippers. Yep, are flippers. That's house that's what I was looking for. They were they were flipping the house yeah. of of Milan and now it's flipped and now they want a profit and it looks like InvestCorp is going to one point one billion is the is the number that has been tossed around. So again, this shouldn't come as a surprise to Milan fans that Elliot are looking at this. It's I'm actually mildly surprised that Elliot has stayed this long. Um, but it's uh, it's it's coming. And, you know, if, if this happens, you know, from what you've been reading, Richard, what do you think this means for Milan going forward? 
I mean, this 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 corporation, Investcor, whatever they're called, they are worth a lot of money, like $37, $40 billion. So they're worth a lot. And so I, I expect cash injection to the team. Now, I'm I'm troubled about this because part of me wants Elliot to be like, hey, you can come on, keep on Maldini. You know he doesn't give Elliot doesn't give a shit about Maldini or anything else. He just wants to make his money and get out of there. You know, I don't want to take ownership of this team. But in, in an ideal world, the new owners come in with the with the, with the idea that they're going to keep Maldini, keep things in place, and and build off of that. What what you likely see in these situations that new owner comes in, they bring in whoever the hell they want because uh, they want to win big or whatever. And so you could see a change in everything. And if that happens, who knows what the hell we're going to have? But I expect a lot more um, funds to be splashed out. Uh, whether they're going to be right picks or not is going to be like that year where we got uh, Bonucci and company. All those eleven, those the. The Furious Eleven, who the hell you want to call them? The 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 end of the banter era, maybe. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do expect more money to come in. Uh, this Bahrain team, Bahrain group, I should say, they are known for doing good investments, and they they've bought a lot of brands like Gucci and some other things like that. So they're it's not like they have they're no name brands. It's not like Yong Hong Lee. It's not that at all. Um, and it's it's more similar to like an Arnaud type situation where it's good investments. They believe in you know. Uh, the global brand, not just the Bahrain. That's why they what they are now makes so much money because they left the Bahrain market and now they're global, and that's why they've kind of gone into you know a different realm there. So, yeah, if if it happens, I expect more money to be happening. What is it? Does it take Milan to the next level? I don't know, but I expect more money to be shelled out for players and stuff like that going forward. And we'll see if uh, the management changes, meaning Maldini in particular, right? If Maldini leaves, then I don't know what how what's the direction we're going to go. If you keep Maldini. I have faith that it's going to get better and become back to a European power potentially. What I think thoughts? a I, I think a prospective buyer. Um, I agree with you. I, I think they should. Um, uh, you know, have an have a an embrace of a club's history. You know, as part of their pro as, as part of their vision, you know, or in this case, you know, a big, big part of their history is in house now in Maldini. Um, and I think they need to look at Maldini and Masada as very shrewd in terms of their ability to attract players to Milan. Um, I think they need to look at them in their ability and what they've been able to do with the resources available to them. Now you're giving them more resources what can they do with that? You're on mute. I think I think Maldini can lure anybody to Milan. Yeah. It's just before they didn't have the funds to do it. Now they have yeah. funds. If you keep that, I agree. Yeah, it's it's the recruiting power that someone like a Paolo Maldini can bring, you know, to Milan with with the available funds. I think that that's a curiosity to me. I would think that the smart buyers would would look at who has been valuable to the project that's in place and retain them. Um, I don't think that they would uh, – I, I, the guy that would unfortunately have the shortest leash, leash out of all of this would be Stefano Pioli. Yes. Um, he better be perfect um, better to these Scudetto. new owners or else – because they're going to be able to go and get whoever they want. Yeah. I think um, if he doesn't want a Scudetto this year and they come in in the offseason, he may not be there in, in, in the next season. And that would be a shame yeah. because I think Pioli deserves – 
the opportunity if he's given better players and there's a better project that can be coming along for Milan as a result of all of this, he deserves to have the chance to oversee it. He's proven himself. This is the place where he's been able to hang his hat. You know, he's had a short shelf life everywhere else he's been, but here he's been able to push the right buttons. You know, we've said it over and over again. Milan is not the most talented team in Italy. They're probably the fifth or sixth most talented team, but they're in first. And I think that you have to look at how the team is managed as a big, big component of why they're in first. So Dominic asked the question, would you rather see a Rocco Camiso type or the Louis Vuitton guy? Arnaud that I was mentioning. I prefer I would prefer Arnaud and the Louis Vuitton guy as opposed to Rocco Camiso, but that's just me. Who would you rather have, a Rocco Camiso type or a Louis Vuitton or even this Bahrain Corporation type? As long as the owners are going to be responsible and not careless with money, not careless with with how they spend it, I don't give a shit. I, I don't. I mean, yeah. after what Milan went through with Rosanetto Sport Luxembourg or whatever <laughs> Young Hong Lee called himself um, – I, I don't want to see a return to that because right. I think it, it would be it would be a disaster and it would be one that would set Milan back another 10 years because in this instance, you do not have an Elliot that would be able to take over on a defaulted loan and clean it up and and, and flip it the way they've been able to do. Yeah. I think that and and this is a this might be a pretty hot take, but I think that in the long run, Elliott management is going to have to be looked at as a very important part of Milan's history as the guys that stepped in and cleaned this up and put it in the position that it is in now that you get somebody like InvestCorp on board to buy it and maybe take it to the next level. You know, I don't want to see, I don't want to see Elliott just as a minor footnote in the history of the club. And many people are going to complain too that oh Elliot never spent money in this and that, but they were never going to. They're here no. to clean up the shit that was and balance the books and then make yep. them profitable again, and that's what they've done. So yep. because of that, I agree they should go down, assuming this ends well. But what they've done is you know they brought in Maldini, which is a fan favorite, and he's they have, together they've really turned the ship around, and now they're screwed up to contenders again. Uh, and so it's, we'll see. It's a matter of time if they become European contenders again. We'll we'll see. It's a long time from that, but. If there wasn't, I'll just say this to any Milan supporter that wants to listen. And I'd like to hear what Stevie and, and Presidente and Vinny say about this. But I, I'm going to make the bolts. I'm going to say this about them. If there's no Elliot, Milan is perennially a bottom half team. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about surviving relegation. That I, I'm not willing to go to that extreme. My heart wouldn't take it. But this would be a team middling in anywhere from 11th to 14th, maybe 15th place every season. So we need to be appreciative, you know, as Milan fans, we need to be appreciative of what Elliot means to this club. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, and the way they've rescued it from just some fiscal irresponsibility on the part of, of Yong Hong Lee. So here's a question. Um, has that, has that new stadium deal between Inter and Milan been confirmed yet, or are they still in the, in the, process and then development stages because i ask that because <laughs> new owners come in here they if, if it isn't confirmed yet they may say you know screw enter we're gonna we have the money we'll build our own stadium we'll be our we'll be separate make money off of that i lost track <laughs> yeah i don't know where it is right now and i have to I ask Nima and, and some of the guys in the inn who know but i mean you if it isn't confirmed yet i can easily see a new owner come in who has money and say you know screw it i have money we'll buy a new stadium 
and yeah. we'll fund we'll get all the money like Juve do and, and other other teams around the world that have their own stadiums. So we'll see. Right. Just keep an eye on it. Right. Okay. So those are our thoughts on the possibility of InvestCorp taking over Milan. And it sounds like they want to do it pretty quickly. Like because right now at 1.1 billion, they're trying to lock it in and you know. Didn't the Young Hong Lee thing take like six months too? It took forever. What's that? Didn't the Young Hong Lee uh, buy take a long time too? Yeah. It didn't happen right away. Yeah. It was the circumstances surrounding that were just all the way weird. But at the time, Milan fans were turning a blind eye to it. They were just saying, just get it done. We need fun. We need that to. That was one of them. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm, I I, I guess I'm, I'm smarter for it now. I don't want to see Milan get duped again. <laughs> yeah. So fair. Anyway. Um, so anyway. Thank you, Anthony. Goodness, Anthony, you're a little late. You're a little late today. I hopefully everything's all right with you. We usually see Anthony before we even get on. So <laughs> he's busy. Everyone yeah, has a lot of he's probably yeah, probably busy, you know. It happens. We we all get that way. So I've got my kids in soccer and baseball, both kids. So Okay, cool. I know what it's like. And I'm like making spreadsheets of their schedules so mm. that I can I can see where they're overlapping <laughs> so, so that I can make sure if, 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 if I can't be there, then my wife is there or, or vice right. versa. Right. So it's just bizarre. Yeah. So, uh, joys of having kids that are having hopes and dreams. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the lesson to all of you new parents. Don't let your kids have hopes and dreams. You'll save a lot of money anyway. <laughs> so, um, how much do you guys think we will have to spend in the summer, Milan? I not much unless they have how. new owners. What's that? It depends on the owners. If we can really have Elliot, it's not going to be more than fifty mil. I would, I would imagine. If it's yeah. new owners, your guess is as good as mine. Two hundred. <laughs> I tell you what, you're going to see the likes of Real Madrid. If, if that's real, if that's real, and Milan have a huge transfer budget to work with in the summer, you're going to see the likes of Real Madrid and Manchester City start locking up their transfer targets pretty quick before this takeover yeah. can happen. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll have to see. But okay. All right. Well, let us now move on to the most important part of the uh, podcast for uh, a third of our, our listeners, I would say. Well, maybe all of them. Uh, certainly, <laughs> I could. But it is now time for the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Kelcho Twitter? Richard, take it away. All right. So kicking this one off, it's uh, Dieter Van Gucht. He says uh, it's from Joe Cappuccino. Uh, and it is a happy 570th birthday to Leonardo da Vinci. Uh there it is. It's not really a funny one, but it's a, it's a hey, it's it's a popular uh, someone important in Italian culture there. So there you go. I, I thought they were trying to like make it a play to play on uh, Leonardo, the former sporting director at Milan, and managed Inter and managed Milan. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. So maybe I, I didn't really choose. Maybe <laughs> if that's the case, then how old is Goran Pondev really? Well, yeah, so. exactly. That's a good point. All right, so Z Gozens, this was nominated by our friend Sabrina Belmonte. Um, <laughs> at Z Gozens, this is uh, Morata's eye, I have, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. And um, Derby Day boys have a single eye on one goal, and you, and it's just showing Morata with one single eye. <laughs> oh, it's lazy eye. That's so wrong. That's not right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're laughing. Yeah, we're laughing. Okay, uh, Darby wins the result, and Darby tweets, 
Uh, and this one is uh, the Argentines here. You got uh, Joaquin Correa and Martinez in their skivvies grilling with AC Milan. <laughs> they had it for dinner. <laughs> Hope they burn their legs on that grill. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. Uh, moving on at Romeo Agresti. Um, Allegri, Arthur is dead. I have two <laughs> midfielders. They are enough, and they advance. Miretti is there, too. Let's not complain. Uh, Arthur, Arthur is, is dead. dead. Did he we literally have... say that? Yeah, that's a direct quote from Romeo Gressi. He's an incredible source, so uh, it's okay. funny. Oh, man. Uh, what is it saying? Yeah, I saw that too, Anthony. <laughs> um uh, it reminded me of that tweet where uh, somebody tweeted out. Oh, uh, I think uh, Anthony Torgrud uh, tweeted out about that. Uh, the translation said that Teo Hernandez is dead, even though that wasn't correct. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. anyway. All right. Um, <laughs> so Saturnion tweeted out, Kalulu was offside blocking Hantanovich's views. Sucks, but correct call according to the new rules. And then Forcerino said, you forgot to switch your account, bro. Wrong account, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, referring to Parisnitch, of course. We're thinking that people are thinking that Saturnion and and Parisnitch are the same person. <laughs> so, all right. Well, there are some times where you come across tweets that for these Celtic Twitter contests that you're a little conflicted at first, but the more you watch it, the more you can't turn away from it, and then it gets funny. And then you just start laughing your ass off. <laughs> and I am talking about the big show. At double underscore Neratzuri. <laughs> A TikTok video of God knows what. And he captions it by saying, Napoli fans, when you tell them you don't work a shitty job with weekend hours and have a normal sex life. And apparently these people in the woods are supposed to be Napoli supporters. You got so much going on here. You got a guy in a Puma sweatshirt with a hockey mask. You got a guy without a shirt on that should have a shirt on acting like, and then you got a guy smashing a TV with a sledgehammer. There's a guy in the background. And there's a guy way in the background there. That's just standing there watching it all. Oh man. I'm tearing up. It's like Don Totti level. Oh, <laughs> and so <laughs> big show was at it. I guess uh, he was happy for the win. And this one says, uh, Napoli thinking how they can put a, a video on a kit here, <laughs> <And> a <laughs> ton of dance video on the kit here. If they can do it, anyone can do it. It's Napoli, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, You're gonna have like a little four inch screen on everyone's gut with, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just give you motion sickness of the highest order watching that. So. Uh... Speaking of motion sickness, I think it's a no-brainer for this week, huh? Yeah, yeah. When I saw this one, I was like, this one sets the tone. And I actually mistagged it because I spelled Twitter wrong on the Who Won Calcio Twitter part when I initially sent it out. So, <laughs> Big Show thinks the Maradona one's better. Uh, he's mistaken. I, I disagree. This is better. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, no, this one's definitely better. This one's definitely right. better. Okay. Uh as expected, and with all apologies to our Napoli friends, uh, yes. Big Show wins who won Calcio Twitter for the week. I he think beat Milan, he beats win- Napoli, he gets it all. This is at least win number two for him. Because he had the one last year with the um, the uh, the car and the dirt race that went out of control talking about <laughs> Milan's right. season. That's right, I remember that. That was a classic. 
I want to say he won for one other reason. So, okay. so this is up there with that, and then uh, Don Totti's band that was marching and dancing with the fires and stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, um, as expected, and with all apologies to our Napoli friends. While you do that, I'm gonna uh, comment on Anthony's comment uh, he says what i don't understand is why gazette della sport reported the possibility of raheem sterling coming to milan this summer clicks i guess clicks uh unless they know that the deal for the uh bahrain group is going through i don't going through i don't see that happening at all why would he leave there especially with uh the possibility of erling halan coming to man city i don't see why sterling would leave man city unless they want him out there so i don't know i i this is the time of year we're going to get to that time of year where it's going to be all rumors central, especially with possible new owners coming in too. So it, the, the rumor mills is going to be going crazy. So you just ignore all that uh, and wait till for the official announcement from your team, whatever team you support, their official uh, communication saying this is who we got on whatever. That's what, that's what I'm going to wait for. Because Agreed. if you follow all these rumors, you're going to go crazy. You are. Agreed. You're going to lose your mind. Yeah. Um, you just, you know, until it's on the um, – uh, until it's on the uh, team's website, don't believe it. So, Salamaker's new captain with the new investor group. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. So, and we're going to have to do that. Salzicha uh, oh. Maker Appreciation Group. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That you were looking for last week. By the way, my golfer missed the cut that uh, last week on the appreciation group that I uh, that I formed. <laughs> Fabrizio Romano, believe him. I, he, I mean, he's okay. What do you think? Yeah. I, hey, uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to get into trouble. Exactly. exactly. You're a smart man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you're, you're the guy that bites his tongue. You're the, you're, you're the guy that bites his tongue when, when asked questions about, yeah. And I, okay. We're not, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast. I'm very bureaucratic. I'm very bureaucratic. <laughs> Is it bureaucratic or diplomatic? Both. <laughs> In any event. <laughs> in any event you're you're a cooler head that always prevails uh, i learned so from my with that we're going to put a bow on this edition of city sit down richard uh take it away anything to shameless plug um i'm gonna plug someone you i guess debuted on uh with the video uh football worldwide in, and also interworldwide obviously i'm talking about anthony privetra uh we had him as a guest last week so definitely give him a follow and his uh podcast a follow great content created there uh, so definitely give him a follow. Love, you know, appreciate him coming on the show last week for us, and you know we hope to join him on his shows uh, in the coming future as well. So yeah, always love collaborating with different people. Uh, Ricky Buzz, who was one of the first people in the chat tonight, gonna give him a shout as well. Give him a follow. He's a he's a very good content creator as well. So uh, so many good content creators going on here. So we love spreading the love out here. So uh, other than that, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. Yep, uh, I echo all of those comments. Yeah, had the. Uh... Privilege of joining, uh, providing a video on Football Worldwide. Uh, give those guys a follow at footballww underscore. Um, you know, thank you again, Anthony, for uh, having me on. And, um, and uh, oh, Schalke, first in uh, two Bundes, so, uh, Bundesliga 2, huh? That's right. That's right. All that's right. right. Anthony knows. <laughs> Anthony's calling now. I got him hooked. On the way back up. Okay. So oh, the... Great. Big game the, against uh, Werder Bremen. Anyway, the uh, the Schalke Sufferers Club has grown by one, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sorry, I had to do it. I lost Uncle Charles um, to Anthony. So, 
Uh, also give a shout out to uh, our friends over there at the Calcio Connection, Alex Dono and Jerry Mancini. They're going to be recording tomorrow night. So uh, check out their YouTube page and check them out. I'm sure yes. that Jerry is going to have some wonderful things to say, as he always does. Um, and Alex just tries to keep it glued together. <laughs> so, uh, but good friends, uh, definitely uh, endorse them. Give them uh, your attention. Um, so yeah. uh, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Serie A sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts. You can find Serie A sit down at Serie A sit down on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also find us on Facebook. Any comments, questions, thoughts, uh, hashtag on Twitter. Please just do this on Twitter. Don't do it on Instagram or Facebook. We won't find it. Uh, on Twitter, hashtag who won Calcio Twitter for the who won Calcio Twitter contests. Um, keep it clean. Keep it fun. Um, not at, not too much at other people's expense. I think that the winner this week is just at barely at the threshold. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he definitely doesn't cross a line. It is, it, it was, it was funny and not offensive. So, um, I'm still laughing at it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, let's come back on no on, Easter, right? So yeah. Yeah. Let's night. come back on, on Sunday night. We can do Sunday night here. We can do Sunday night, uh, Sunday. So Sunday night, the 24th, 24th, uh sunday night may 1st uh sunday night may 8th probably not that's mother's day we want to stay married so we'll probably be looking at tuesday yes. may 10th just to kind of give you an idea of our schedule for the next few weeks so uh keep an eye out for us uh thank you as always everyone in the chat thank you for chiming in great to have you guys with us as always and be sure you tell your paisans about us ciao